Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. But as we do come to uh, the book of Colossians in chapter 4 there, and just a little bit way of review there, as we have seen from uh, chapter 3 and uh, verse 1, since you and I have been raised up with Christ, uh, the, uh, the premier one, the preeminent one, our lives will be changed dramatically. If we have Christ uh, accepted him and that justification part of our salvation, uh, the Holy Spirit comes in, lives inside of us, and he makes a big difference in our lives. If we yield to him, remember always, remember Ephesians 5.18, tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So whenever you see that word filled in the scriptures, you want to make sure that just translates controlled. You want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know, um, We get as much as the Holy Spirit as there is at the time of salvation, but in the sanctification process, and remember I don't use big words, but that sanctification just means we're set apart to do good works according to Ephesians 2.10. But that uh, uh, part there, when the Holy Spirit's living in us, uh, he just gets more of us. We have all of him, but we get more of, uh, he gets more of us as we uh, uh, submit our lives to him in this Christian walk. So as I've been learning from uh, Pastor Ryan in uh, chapter 1, and Pastor Todd in chapter 2 of Colossians, and also Michael and uh, Pastor Mike there in uh, Colossians 3, I've been watching those videos, and just a little brief uh, review there, because I know y'all were in Philemon last week, so it's kind of neat I get to be in Sebring Church and also watch y'all's videos too, but uh, uh, Jesus uh, changes our daily walk, we found out in the last uh, chapter in Colossians 3, 5 through 9, a little bit of review there, that he changes our daily walk, and uh, in chapter 3, 10 through 11, we we put on the new man then that Michael told us that that's what we do there. We put on that new man and we leave that the old man, uh, we still have the old man with us, but we put on the new man who uh, the Holy Spirit helps us to walk the uh, victorious Christian life. And then we are uh, called to that sanctification process, uh, Philippians chapter 2, you remember? Verses 12 through 15 tells us about that we are to work out our salvation and uh, to do it with all our hearts. And that work out there means uh, uh, the, it, it's it's up to us to do that. You know, we just don't sit around and accept Christ and all of a sudden our Christian walk is victorious. We don't do anything about it, but, but we've got to be in the Word. We've got to be in prayer, which is our theme today. And uh, so that's uh, our example from uh, Christ our Savior, the premier one. So anyway, and then as we come to the, toward the end of chapter 3 and verses 12 through 14, uh, we will have love one for another. And of course, uh, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, and I teach this in Sunday school as well as uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you look at John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, by your love one for another, people will know that you're mine. So uh, just remember that. I think that's a key principle in our lives today, that as we're out in Ocala, 
as I'm out, we're out in Sebring, if we have love one for another, people will know, say, hey, there's something different about those people. And that was always Jesus' uh, ministry to his disciples. He says, hey, make sure you got love. And then, of course, among the spiritual gift chapters there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and 14, it's kind of interesting because the number in between 12 and 14 is 13. And that's the love chapter. And so we got to do our spiritual gifts inside the body, do it all out of love. So then in, as we come to uh, verse 16 of chapter 3 that Michael was uh, talking about just a few weeks ago, uh, just like the living word of God, which is Jesus Christ, the written word is the Bible, of course, will change our lives. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 says that the word of God is sharp and active and it, it uh, cuts us right down to where it needs to be cut. Where a heart surgeon can't even get at, the word of God can get deeper than that into our very souls and make us to become the people that we need to be. Uh, in uh, 18 through verses 18 through 21, Michael said uh, that uh, Christ is the preeminent one, the premier one, and he can change our home life. Our homes will be changed because of Christ. And uh, how well we need to pray for that in our world today because that's where Satan will be active. Is in, if he can break up the home, uh, that's his, his goal, I know, is, is uh, the enemy's job. And then in verses 22 through verse uh, chapter 4 verse 1 Christ uh, will change uh, our relationships with uh, the servant uh, master relationships and also with our bosses and employees you know we can translate into life today so if uh, Christ is a premier one he can change every part of our life and so once again as we come to uh, Philipp yeah, Philippians we're not in Philippians but we're in Colossians chapter 4 go with me there we'll go start there with verse 2 it says there, starting uh, verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer then, brothers, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity let your speech always be with grace seasoned as it were with salt so that you may know how you should respond to each person so i'll just stop there for a second and uh there, there's two things here that we want to see in these uh six short verses or five short verses here and as i was reading there in those can you pick up the two things that paul is uh telling these believers to concentrate on in this uh, working out your salvation, so to speak, uh, the sanctification part. So uh, do, did you see it there in verse, uh, uh, actually 2, 3, and 4 go together, and then uh, 5 and 6 are together there. So uh, anybody catch what Paul's encouraging them there to do to... Uh, Okay, pray. Exactly. Yeah, prayer is definitely the one. And so let's, since we got that one, hold off on the next one, but let's just look at prayer for a little bit. And I kind of like uh, Michael had the, the group over here, the young people with him, and uh, they knew exactly what prayer was. And uh, you and I know what prayer is. It's communication with our Heavenly Father. 
and uh, we want to make sure that uh, in the victorious Christian life, we did a series on that in Sebring in our Sunday school class and still working on that, kind of, but uh, to have a victorious Christian life, we need our prayer life to be what it needs to be, okay? So anyway, uh, by the way, as I'm teaching this, I'm talking to myself. Uh, you can even ask my wife because she knows how I live, but uh, I'm teaching to myself here as well as you guys because we all need encouraged. You know, I'm not standing up here saying, hey, my prayer life's, you know, you, you follow me. My prayer life's, you know, the best. Maybe Pastor Todd, maybe follow him, but not me. It's a, <laughs> but my prayer life needs improvement, and I'm sure yours does too. And uh, so also, but anyway, and that's why we look to Jesus Christ because he is our example. So as we come to four two here, if we know who Christ uh, really is, our prayer life will be a special time that we have together with him. So uh, once again, you can probably remember uh, if you uh, back when you were dating uh, and uh, the you know, the first time you laid eyes on your wife or your husband, and uh, the thing was with them and got to talking to them, and and the more you grew in your love. Uh, Name one thing, as I'm thinking in my mind, that uh, you like to talk to him. So, in my mind, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you wanted to spend as much time with that person as you possibly could. Is that everybody agree with that? Okay, and you want to talk to them, be with them, talk with them. Okay, it's the same way when we accept Christ. I believe is we want that fellowship, that intimate fellowship with him to grow stronger and stronger as we love him. And uh, you remember from Revelation chapter 2 that the, the church at Ephesus actually lost that, or they left, they didn't lost it, they left their first love. It was their decision to leave it. And uh, what a disappointment to their Savior for that. So, but anyway, uh, getting back to our lesson today in Colossians. So the question uh, that I have for myself and for you is, how's our prayer life? How much uh, time you spend in prayer and uh, so forth? And uh, like I said, I'm still working on mine. And uh, we will all be working on that until a trumpet sounds, the rapture happens, and we're out of here. And then we will be with our Savior forever. So, But anyway, but there's so much in this life that grabs our time. And that's one thing about living the Christian life, that we have to keep our priorities straight and keep our priorities where they need to be and my prayer life needs to be top priority in the world in which I live so in verses 4 through 6 Paul continues this discussion of the new man in Christ that we have learned from chapter 3 of Colossians and anyway and that he began in 3 5 and continued on he discussed uh, and from 5 through 17 in chapter 3 you remember that he discussed the personal characteristics of the new man uh, and so forth and and we looked at all that and and so in the new man as we're praying to our father uh, Paul not only practiced a mature prayer life if you look go back to Colossians 1, which we don't have time to do today, but from 3 through 12, those verses there in chapter 1, uh, you can see Paul's prayer life and also his prayer life in many of the other books that he wrote, talking and saying, hey, I'm praying for you and, you know, uh, you know and so forth. So his prayer life was uh, much more than mine is, so uh, Paul is my example too. But anyway, he prescribed it for all believers. He, he said, man, never, never does he mention, man, I, I, you know, the other day, I spent too much time in prayer. You know, so, you know, who, who says that, you know? Anybody ever spend too much time in prayer? Uh, yeah, that would be a, a foolish thing to say, we know. So, but but uh, that'd be like, man, I spent too much time with my wife or my husband yesterday. Man, that, that, you know, so we don't do that because uh, the more we get to know someone, the more we love them, we want to spend time with them. So anyway... 
And getting back to, to our lesson, you see, prayer is the strength of the believer's fellowship with the Lord and the source of his power against Satan and his demons. Okay, so, and uh, we realize that from the Lord's uh, temptation uh, there in the wilderness. To devote ourselves means to steadfast, to be constant, to uh, persevering to be uh, courageously persistent uh, there that this word means in uh, verse 2 it is used of Moses faithful endurance in the Old Testament you remember when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt this guy man Israel uh, excuse me not Israel, but Moses man he was up against it you know and he got discouraged and that but you know what his perseverance he just kept on going and uh, asking you know hey let the people go and you know this came up the plagues came up and so forth but Moses carried it out clear through to the end and he's uh, recognized in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 of his great faith that he had and his consistency and doing what God wanted him to do to let those people and lead those people out of Egypt this was the way the early church had prayed. Matter of fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and uh, you look at that passage, we're not going to have time to look up all these passages because they only gave me an hour and a half to, to teach this lesson. So, uh, oh, wait a minute. Or no, not quite that long. But anyway, uh, some references, and you can look these up later if you want to take notes or whatever. And if you don't, that's fine too. I ask you, just don't fall asleep because, you know, it, it, it's very embarrassing for me because, I, wow, I did all this work and y'all thought no but in Acts chapter 1 verse 14 it says the early church they were devoted to prayer and that devoted there is the same word used here in uh, Colossians chapter 2 they devoted to prayer and also that same book of the early church uh, in Acts 2:42, it's also mentioned there as well devoted to prayer that early church was and then as you get to chapter 6 in Acts verse 4 uh, the apostles there it says they were devoted to prayer and the study of the word so that's what uh, I take as elders and uh, not only elders people say well I'm not an elder I'm not a deacon so I'm off the hook I don't have to be devoted to prayer but sorry we're all in this together this Christian walk so you are need to be devoted to prayer as well so Paul told the Romans this in Romans 12, 12. He devote, be devoted to prayer. Once again, that word devoted come up. Prayer is not a spiritual luxury. It is an essential for our Christian growth. Prayer is as vital to one's spiritual health as breathing is to one's physical health. So remember, they go hand in hand. You know, a lot of the physical life, the things I see there, I look at the spiritual life, it's the same thing. I can see, you know, uh, you know, to exercise my faith in God, to pray, read the Bible, and so forth. Uh, I got to do that to grow and to be in shape as a believer. In the same way in the physical life, if I want to kind of be healthy and, and whatever, you know, feel good and, and whatever, I have to exercise the physical body. But, of course, we know the spiritual life is much more important. So, anyway, just uh, pointing that out there about uh, the prayer life there so my paper there okay as we uh, continue on and then one of my favorite verses uh, you probably all have this one memorized one of the shortest verses on prayer is first uh, Thessalonians 5 17 and that says pray without ceasing I like what the New Living Translation says it, it, it uh, translated as never stop praying always pray so keep in prayer with our Heavenly Father and uh, remember Jesus had a lot to to say about prayer 
and uh, we read the scriptures. You all read the scriptures today. We had them on the board. Uh, we had the disciples' prayer. You remember? That's in uh, Luke chapter 11, 1 through 4. Uh, that was read this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15 tells us about the prayer of the disciples' prayer as well. And it's kind of interesting in Matthew 6, 6 that Jesus says about the disciples' prayer there. Right before that, uh, he starts the prayer. But in verse 6 of Matthew 6, he tells about, remember he says, going into your inner room and praying? Well, it's kind of interesting if you look at Bible history, those inner rooms in people's houses uh, were not that big. They're not as big as the homes we live in today. And, but in the center of their homes, they had this little wee room that they kept their valuable stuff in. That's where they kept their valuable, maybe, you know, their money and some jewelry, whatever they had back then. I'm not all up to date on that but Jesus says that go into your inner room there now I don't think he meant go in there and pray although it could mean that just ha you all have your place you pray I'm sure a prayer room or wherever but I think what he's meaning here is the principle we can pull out of this that prayer is very important it's very valuable go into your inner room spend time with the father because it's a valuable time we have with him and so Jesus spoke on that in Matthew chapter uh, 6. Also, all through the Gospels, Jesus prayed. Uh, Mark 1.35 and Mark 6.46 tells us that Jesus went alone up in the mountains often and prayed, you remember. So he prayed there. In Mark 6, uh, uh, 46, okay, I got that one. Okay, and now you go to the book of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says that Jesus oft times went by himself and prayed. And also it's kind of interesting when you go to chapter 6 of Luke and you look at verse 12. He's up in the mountain and there, that's one place where it says he prayed all night. So it's kind of interesting and I said, wonder why he prayed all night. Well, God answers my question because as you uh, look down a little farther in scripture, the very next day he was going to choose his 12 disciples. So he spent all night in prayer asking the Father, man, who, who do you want me to choose? Uh, so the principle I pull out of that in our daily lives is we have big decisions and I think God is interested not only in the big decisions, but I think he's interested in our little decisions as well, is go to him in prayer. He wants us to come to him and say, Lord, you know, I got this big decision coming up. Is this what you want me to do? And so I think Jesus sets the perfect example there in Luke chapter 6 where he spent the night in prayer and asking the Father to show him who those disciples should be. Uh, Matthew uh, 6 verses 5 through 15 is also mentioned there in the Lord's Prayer. So I believe prayer is, or excuse me, the disciples' prayer, I should say that. In Matthew 14, 23, another reference to prayer and so forth there. And then, uh, of course, the great high priestly prayer that was read some part of it for us uh, today uh, in John chapter 17. So prayer, very important part of the Christian life. And as, as we go on here and saying as time is fleeting by here, I wanted to point out too in this uh, Colossians 4 that uh, Paul writes and say that God may in verse 3, or excuse me, I'm sorry, in verse 2 he says, keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving giving and uh, real praying there keep going to keeping alert real praying demands spiritual energy okay if you want to be a real prayer warrior any prayer warrior will tell you man you got you got to know what you're praying for you got to be uh, you know alert and you got to know that the enemy is close by because I believe that 
Christians who are praying, the enemy will target you. He's, he's got you in his sights because if he can keep uh, the body, the church body, from being on their knees praying, if he can keep them out of the word of God, he got you where he wants you and me. So we've got to always remember that. So remember that uh, believers, we believers should look for the, those things about which we, they ought to be asking and praying about, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to pray for specific needs, okay? We need to be watchful against spiritual drowsiness. I believe there's a spiritual drowsiness as well as a physical drowsiness in our lives, or can creep into our lives, caused by attention to the world, because the enemy will do all he can, as I said before, to keep us from being on our knees, because he knows knows that uh, where the power is and it's in prayer you remember and I, and I often think of Acts chapter 12 in that prayer meeting there uh, in yeah, Acts chapter 12 you remember that uh, Peter uh, once again this is also going to go to the open door thing but there was a, a prayer meeting in Acts 12 that I was saying that uh, uh, Peter was in prison uh, they were having a prayer meeting at Mary's house and you remember they were praying and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and uh, who shows up? It's Peter and they were praying for Peter. Oh man, and you remember what everyone said? Oh man, it can't be him, he's in jail, you know. So, so prayer is more powerful than what we think. So uh, always remember that. Keeping alert also, I believe, has the physical realm there. Uh, literally it means too that we need to be staying awake physically, not falling asleep. Anybody ever fall asleep while you're praying? I mean, I'm going to throw up my hand because, you know, I sometimes lay in bed and say, oh, man, this is a nice day, Lord. And I was like, wake up in the morning. Oh, man, did I ever finish that prayer last night? No. And so, so make sure we stay awake. You remember, remember uh, this is one of my favorite passages, too. You remember the disciples had this problem, so I didn't feel too bad because they're some of the chosen ones of Jesus about staying awake. It was the night before Jesus died. Uh, this is all recorded in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. It's reclute yet yeah. uh, uh, in Mark chapter 14 verses 32 through 42, and it's also in Luke chapter 22 verses 39 through 46. And the key principle I think there is that we can grab from that particular thing: not only staying awake and praying, being alert, and everything there physically and spiritually, but Jesus had those inner three that he actually took into the garden. You remember, and the inner three of Jesus' disciples were who? Peter, James, and John. Exactly. So those were his closest disciples. And so I think that's a, a, a thing for us today, too, that uh, we have those close people that we can call. I say, hey, I call Pastor Todd and Deb and say, hey, you know what? Got this thing in my life. Can you pray for me? And you know what? I know they'll pray for me. And, and so forth. So it's in among your body here and uh, friends elsewhere. You have, you know of people that, that I say that, that come to your mind that you say, anything I have going on in my life, I can go to them and they will pray for me. Hopefully they won't fall asleep on you like the disciples did Jesus, but uh, they will be praying for you. So time ticking by here we will keep on going and also we want to make sure we always have an attitude of thanksgiving uh, there as uh, Colossians tells us thanksgiving is an important ingredient in successful praying uh, Philippians 4 verse 6 you can look that up too at your convenience Philippians 4 6 if all we do is ask and never thank our God for his gifts we are selfish when we are called to be selfless. Remember that all believers were called to be selfless, not selfish, because the world is selfish. 
Just stop and think of how much we should be thankful for. Paul already noted uh, the emphasis uh, in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, verse 12, and then in chapter 2, in verses 7, and chapter 3, 15, 17, and then here in uh, 4, 2. Uh, and it also to be thankful in those verses he mentions, but also in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it is actually God's will for us uh, and you, me and you, to be thankful in and, and, and this life that we live. <clears throat> and it's kind of interesting going back to the high priestly prayer of John 17, that Jesus uh, spent uh, just a little time about praying for himself. If uh, that chapter is divided up into three sections, John 17, the first five verses, Jesus prays for himself. But you notice, too, the principle I pull out of here is that Jesus spends a lot of time praying for other people. And I, I hope that's what you, and the lesson I learn and you learn, is that we need to be praying for other people, other missionaries and churches and, and brothers and sisters. And uh, not the least, of course, is our unsaved family members and neighbors and co-workers that we work with. But Jesus expects us to be spending time praying for others. And he did that, you remember, uh, in verses 6 through 19, which was read for us this morning. Uh, he spent time praying for his disciples there. And then the rest of the chapter from verses 20 through 26 of that same chapter, he prays for all believers, us as well as disciples. So Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer uh, for others. Paul now, uh, moving on, praying at the same time for us and praying that God may open a, up a door for, the, for them and for uh, Paul. And, uh, of course, anytime you see a door mentioned in the New Testament, it usually refers to an opportunity. Paul's always looking for an opportunity. He moves now from praying uh, more now to the gospel and preaching the gospel uh, in verse uh, 3 there because he's in prison you remember so he wants a, doors to be opened up and people to pray for him that these doors would be opened up and and it's interesting uh, Paul mentions in 1st Corinthians chapter 16 verses 8 and 9 about uh, an open door and he also wrote in the same uh, book excuse me the second book 2nd Corinthians 2:12, that he wrote a door had opened up for him in Troas but getting back to 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 9, it says at the end of those verses that he prays for a door to be open, and it was open, but he says always with an open door there's adversaries. So remember that key principle I believe there is when God opens a door for you uh, to minister, to teach, or to preach, or to share the gospel, there's always going to be something there to be an adversary to you and uh, try to uh, uh, make that plan not work out. So we uh, always know that the evil one is behind that. Remember uh, different places like that, that uh, different places in the book of Acts where uh, Paul talked about open doors. So always remember that, that there's open doors out there and also there's times when the door is shut and uh, God meaning us to, to go somewhere else. So anyway, when the, uh, we move on then to the mystery there in verse 3 of Colossians 4. 
the mystery of Christ. You remember a mystery in the New Testament is not something spooky, eerie, you know, I think mystery, I think of Halloween and stuff like that, but that's not what it means at all. In the New Testament, a mystery is uh, something that is hidden by God in times past, namely in the Old Testament may be hidden, but in the New Testament, he reveals it one way or the other. And uh, usually uh, he revealed it through his apostles and the teachings therein and in the, uh, the books, the epistles in other places. Uh, so anyway, it, a mystery is a sacred secret to us believers that is unknown to the unbelievers and but is understood by us, treasured by the people of God. And you know that uh, other mysteries that's talked about in the Word of God, uh, here it's the mystery of Christ, uh, speak forth the mystery of Christ, it says. But in 1 Corinthians, uh, Excuse me, I'm, I'm jumping ahead there. But in Matthew 13, 11, there's the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, Jesus talks about that mystery. In Romans 11:25, it's the mystery of the partial hardening of Israel. You remember Israel, they were hardened for a, a short time and cut off uh, the message going to the Gentiles. There, so that's a mystery that, that God spoke about. In 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 51 through 52, this is my favorite mystery, and it's the mystery of the rapture of the church. You know, uh, uh, Paul says, I, I tell you a mystery, that we shall not all sleep, but we all shall all be changed. So I like that mystery because uh, the, it was mentioned there in Corinthians and, uh, and then in 1 Thessalonians 4. So Jesus is coming, uh, first of all, in the clouds to take us home. So there's that mystery. <clears throat> and then as we move on, there's the mystery of the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles together. And I remember just a little while ago we were studying that up in Lakeland in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 3 through 6 it says that that is a mystery uh, of the Jews and the Gentiles, all one body in Christ and working together. And so in 5 verse 32 of Ephesians talks about the, the mystery of the church. The church is a mystery to the, uh, now remember this is the unbelievers in the world so that's our job by the way. Uh, we say oh right that's a mystery it's hard for them to understand but guess what we have the job to tell them about the mysteries so uh so our hands are full my hands are full tell them you know what god said about this you know what god said about the church the the coming of the lord so we have all the answers hopefully given to us by the holy spirit and his word so it's our job to make this mystery known to the world as we go out and of course you are doing that here in ocala we're doing it in sebring other people are doing it in up north and across the seas and and so forth so so always remember that so the mysteries go on and on many mysteries in the i just wrote down a few of them because you know there's you know we could write down 50 of them without any problem and that's a study all on its own now in the, in the remainder of our time which is uh, about two or three minutes here that's left i just want to point out uh paul also uh, once another thing that we just read is our speech not only our prayer life but the way we conduct ourselves before the world uh, conduct here simply means our daily walk okay remember you see that in the word of God it's your daily walk with wisdom toward outsiders making the most of the opportunity it says there in verse 5 let your speech always be with grace seasoned as it were with salt so that you may know how you should respond to each person <clears throat> excuse me Remember, uh, Jesus says that he made a distinction between followers of Christ and those who were outsiders. And we see that in Ephesians uh, chapter 
excuse me, not Ephesians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Also, 1 Thessalonians 4, 12. It says, behave properly toward outsiders. And also in 1 Timothy 3, 7, we should have a good reputation with those outside the church because you know what? The world is watching us. If you call yourself a Christian, people get their eyes on you. You know, they're watching, okay, you're a Christian. Let's see how you act. And... Uh, because we know that, that they say we're always ready to point from, well, if you're a Christian, why did you do that, so forth. And, but anyway, we need to have a good reputation with those outside. Uh, so we, we know that from the, the scriptures there. So another study I want, if you want to do is Ephesians chapter 4. And remember, Ephesians and Colossians are so much alike. You know, they're both books that talk a lot about the same thing. But in Ephesians chapter 4 is the walk of the, is the, walk of the believer. And what does it look like? So you read uh, that passage as well as what Michael read for us there in chapter 3, verses 3, for, 3 through 9. We're putting the sin to death. And then 10, verses 10 through 17 of Colossians 3 was putting the new man on. So what Michael read for us there and, and taught for us there just a few weeks ago. You put that together with Ephesians 4 and you live that lifestyle out, people will notice something different about your walk and my life as we live that out. Making the most of the opportunity. Buy up the time. You remember Moses' prayer in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that, we're, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. Ephesians 5, verses uh, 15 and 16 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Time is a gift, so the key principle there is, you know, we all have 24 hours a day, and we're all to be good stewards of that time. And uh, so anyway, make sure that uh, we use that time for God's honor and glory, because we know that from John 9, chapter 4, the night is coming, no man can work. You know, we have this time right now to make disciples. We have this time right now to share the gospel with others. And we're going to make the most of that opportunity. I encourage you to, to, to take advantage of that. Every time you have to share the gospel, please do. And, and uh, because the night is coming, Jesus says there in John, uh, when, when no man can work. In closing, as we come now, and we don't uh, have time to get into all those names, but as you read those names from 7 to 18 there, uh, one that sticks out in my mind is in chapter, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 12, is Epaphras, who is one of your number. He's one of those Colossians, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, and uh, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. <clears throat> so he was a prayer warrior for the Savior. And uh, I guess I probably should. Uh, do I have time for two more minutes? No. Okay. Okay. I, I, I know I'm out of time here according to the schedule there. But I, I want to point out verse 6. I better go back there. I want your speech, Paul says, to always be with grace, seasoned with salt. We read that. Uh, but I, I just want to point out that in the Christian life, in our sanctification process, not only should we have a consistency in our life that we live before unbelievers uh, in our walk, but 
we must also have a consistency in our speech. You know, be careful how you talk. Paul's speaking here of our general conversation is what he means here. And uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, Jesus, it tells there of Jesus that uh, I don't have the verse uh, written on my paper, but of course it's in your Bible. So Luke, look this up in Luke 4.22, sometimes it says, tells us of the gracious words that were falling from the lips of Christ. You know, he never spoke evil of no one, uh, but uh, always... Uh, gracious words that were falling from his lips is what the text says there in Luke. Always with grace means to say what is spiritual. Uh, th this is what will catch everybody's attention. So when, as I'm reading this, uh, don't point at anyone and say, well, you don't do this or whatever. But, but anyway, it says here, it says, here's the way we should talk as believers. We should uh, say, uh, talk about spiritual, wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, purposeful, complimentary, gentle, truthful, loving, thoughtful. This is how we should talk. And uh, I'm still working on this, by the way, because uh, I'm still back at uh, working out my salvation in Philippians 2, verse 14. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing and grumbling and stuff. But anyway, if we want the world to see our speech, uh, we need to do, this is how we need to talk. And uh, closing then with... Uh, a uh, few verses here in Ephesians 4.29. Remember, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification or the building up of one another. And that unwholesome word means they're corrupt or useless or rotten words. Don't let those come out of our mouths uh, because that's not of the Holy Spirit. That's from the old inner person man living inside of us. Psalm 143 excuse me, Psalm 141, verse 3, so it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And that's my prayer to the Holy Spirit. And of course, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, my favorite passage about the training of the tongue. Won't read all those verses for you, but if you go to James 3, verse 12, and you look at those uh, things there, and uh, verse 2 is kind of an interesting verse there in James 3, but it says, if you've learned to control your tongue, man, you're a perfect person. You, you've learned to, you know, you mastered it. And that word perfect there don't mean you're like Jesus perfect, but it means you're a mature person. You, you know how to, you know how to do, uh, handle your words right and so forth. So uh, that's what I want. That's my goal. The principle, the key principle there is uh, make sure our words are pleasing to the Savior and building one another up, not tearing down. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, my, my mouth needs washed out with soap a few times here and there so I can, uh, you know, not only for my Savior, but to other people because people listen, you know. What's the old saying? People always remember the bad things you say or whatever, and the good things uh, they, they forget easily. So... But remember this in closing, the Christians walk and talk must be in harmony with each other. Nothing will silence the lips like a careless life. When character, conduct, and conversation are all working together, it makes for a powerful witness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If your walk and your talk is what it needs to be, you will change lives here in Ocala uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And we will do the same in Sebring, or no matter where we're at, if we go up Ohio in the summer and I go to Pennsylvania in the, in the summer, wherever we're at, the way we walk, the way we talk, will change the world for Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do, I believe. 
And so uh, anyway, uh, I hope you benefited from this teaching. Uh, I know I did. Uh, there's so much more here in Colossians 4, but uh, uh, stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll do that again some other time. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.